In today's society, millennials get a pretty bad rap. Today, we talk to a man's man for the millennial age about political correctness on the Fat Man's Guide podcast. Interview 2, Josh Herzog. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Before we talk to our guest, I again want to thank you all for listening. Please like, subscribe, and share. And if you get a chance, go to iTunes and write a review. And if you would uh, be so nice, please give me five stars. And remember, you can also follow me on Instagram at the underscore fat man's underscore guide. Today's guest is Josh Herzog. As I said, a millennial's man's man. Today, we had a conversation about one of the millennial generation's favorite topics, political correctness. And we did this while talking about something that we both love, comedy. We're here with Josh Herzog, uh, a, a world traveler, if you will. You know, uh, Josh uh, used, to, uh, used to be in school, and I taught him. And uh, uh, not going to lie to you, I kind of whooped his ass in Tecmo Super Bowl one time. And, uh, and coached him in football, and he's one of the funniest guys that I know. I can talk to Josh about anything. And I figured today I just wanted to sit down and have a BS session with uh, you know someone I think highly of. Uh, Josh, uh, welcome uh, onto the podcast, man. You're going to be the second interview. Thanks, Coach. It's good to be here. Awesome. Um, hold you in high esteem as well, so I'm excited to do it. That's sweet. Uh, and, and, and we were kind of talking before uh, we got into the, the episode here that um, – uh, the difficulties of trying to do stuff uh, online. It's mentioned in the fact that um, last week uh, I struggled with my volume, so I had my IT guy, my 15-year-old son, trying to help me with this microphone. And at the same time, uh, Josh is trying to record this on his phone, and he's like, ah, it's, it's crooked and uh, cockeyed and everything else. And, uh, and, and I, was, I was telling him I've been noticing on some of the other people, like Sarah Live and them, that as they've been doing their episodes, you're noticing just how much technology even the rich people don't have. But when we were, we were talking before we started, and I think we'll continue with this, Josh, is uh, we were talking about, you know, like stuff we've been doing with COVID-19 and kind of, kind of, you know, trying to fill our days. And uh, one of the, I, I know you love comedy, you know, and uh, you were talking about, you're trying to, you know, listen to a lot of different uh, comedy uh, things you know, Netflix got a bunch of stuff. Everything else. So tell me, what what are some of the the, the awesome comedy things maybe you've seen during the break and and uh, things that you get get you thinking? Um, one of the ones that got me thinking the most um, was this guy. Uh, I believe his first name's James James uh, Acaster. He has a four part, which is kind of a new thing too. It's a like cohesive four part episode um, that's like kind of a, a whole series of a stand up. So. Um, and that's pretty cool. He kind of takes on different roles uh, in it. But, I mean, the whole thing has to be cohesive enough for that to work. And he does a really good job with that. So that's when I recommend watching a lot. Um, that's awesome. And did, then another did, did, one. Did you sadly watch Tiger King? I did. I had to give in to the, the hype. Um, you know, I'll watch it. It was, I mean, just a, what a collection of terrible, terrible people for the most part. <laughs> um, you know, but that makes it great. TV, you know, everyone likes to see a dump. Everyone slows down for the dumpster fires or driving. Oh, absolutely! So. <laughs> every 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 everyone loves the dumpster fire. There is no doubt. Like they had to know when they started filming. Like, holy crap, we've hit gold. People are gonna love this crap. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 kind of funny because you know everyone everyone kind of gets wrapped up in that stuff. 
And, uh, and you don't even know if you want to laugh at it or you want to cry or, you know, if you want to call CPS or what you want to do, those poor tigers. <laughs> but um, you're absolutely right. I, I think I related it to a train accident. Um, it was just, just terrible. Like every episode, every episode is like, oh, my goodness, what a, what's the next episode going to be? Um, and, and, you know, kind of looking at all the stuff that Netflix puts on there. And, and again, you being a comedy person, um, it, it, I know when I watch a bunch of comedy, a couple of the guys I like to watch are like, uh, you know, Bill Burr and Joe Rogan um, and some of these guys. I know when we were talking earlier, you mentioned, you know, Jim Jeffries and, yeah. and, and you know, obviously hilarious comedians, but uh, they get a lot of grief right now because of kind of this political uh, correctness culture or cult. Maybe I want to say cult. <laughs> yeah. Myself personally, I want to call it a cult. And, and I know some people are going to think, "Oh, you're a terrible human being." No, I'm not saying I'm a terrible human being. What I'm saying is, is, is guys know what a joke is. Do, do you think? Do you think that comedy has has changed a little bit? Do you think uh, comedy has to be careful what it does nowadays when you're watching some of these comedians? I mean, the climate's definitely shifted that way for sure with the skewering of social media that you'll get from all of the, you know, the, the Karens out there and the, the Karens. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. Another. And then again, I make a social media reference myself, you know, it just shows how pervasive that is. But um, yeah, I mean, everyone's afraid of getting skewered. I mean, it just can kind of tear people's careers apart um, at least from my, you know, perspective um you know who knows but uh yeah everyone's working on eggshells for the most part but then like you said there are some people who are um you know trying not to let it you know change their style of comedy oh yeah and and i think that you're absolutely right i think that social media is and it's not just comedy it's everything i mean how many mm -hmm. people if you were to go back 10 years ago right i think about when you guys because like, god god you guys were i think graduated from high school 10 years ago Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so old. But, uh, you know, 10 years ago when you guys were graduating, I mean, can you imagine social media having the power back then that it does today? I mean, I look back to you know 25 years ago when I was, you know, in high school and graduating. I'm sitting here going, the crap that people in my generation would have gotten in trouble for. I mean, it would have been, it would have been ridiculous when you see some of the commentaries and uh, stuff that happens like that. And, and of course, a lot of comedians – um, you know, I was mentioning to you before that, uh, like Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock, two great comedians. Um, th these are guys that, that made their careers, you know, traveling to colleges and, and, and making money off of, you know, 20 year olds who thought everything was hilarious. Um, that now they don't even do colleges anymore, you know, uh, because it's not worth the risk. Cause again, like you said, they're going to, they're going to get skewered on, on social media. Um, and, but you do have these guys right now, like, you know, I mentioned like, like Bill Burr, um, if you ever seen his episode uh, or his, uh, his shows, he purposely goes out there and says, I'm going to offend you. I am going to do everything in my power to offend you tonight. And it's almost like he said to hell with, with political correctness. And I am going to say the most terrible offensive things imaginable. Who, who was that one guy you were talking about that you liked? Um, that I, I know I like, was it? Uh, uh, Anthony Jeselnik. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's one really of those guys. Yeah, he he's one of those guys. He he is someone who will just say st and he says it so deadpan too. Like you, you <laughs> actually don't even know if he's a monster or terrible human yeah, being. Right. He literally think thinks that's funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I think I think one of the questions that we would have, you know, for a lot of people, and maybe the society as as a as a whole, does does the viewer? Do you think the viewer kind of has to have a little responsibility in if if you're going to go watch a comedian? Um, 
shouldn't you understand who you're getting into and, and maybe have an idea that you may be offended by this person? And, oh. and go ahead. Oh, I was going to say just absolutely. Um, you know, you have to understand like that's part of what their, you know, platform is, you know, it's one of the rare things just to not to quote, to paraphrase uh, in Dave Chappelle's recent uh, Mark Twain award ceremony. And what was, uh, you know, made in that series or documentary that they put on Netflix there. Um, you know, it's kind of something that it's one of the few things where they expect to be able to kind of say whatever they want because it's supposed to be taken with a, you know, a light heart to a degree. Um, but I also think it's kind of nice in the fact that, I don't know, you kind of have to be able to take a joke to give a joke. So it's like they're kind of putting themselves up to, you know, kind of intense criticism. But, but uh, yeah, I think that a, the viewer has to understand what they're getting in for. Um, otherwise, it's kind of just almost like censorship in itself. Um, if a comedian's worried about what they're saying, what their audience kind of takes from it. I don't know. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I, well, and, and I think, I think that's one of the really difficult things too, is it, you mentioned Dave Chappelle, who is another one of those guys who just, he, he's going to, he's going to lay it on the line, what he wants to say. Um, because, you know, it's, it's kind of like that question of what is offensive, right? And, and everyone's got a different perspective. I mean, you and I might be able to sit here and tell jokes that some people would go, that is disgusting and disturbing. But there is an entire segment of the people who, you know, I mean, for myself personally, if I'm in a difficult situation, I might, cr I know I crack jokes. If I'm in a tough situation, I will say things as a joke that some people will think are very offensive. But to me, that's how I, I deal with my own stress. You know, like if you had a family member who died or something like that, there are going to be some people who are going to be crying. There's going to be some people that are just going to kind of joke, you know. And, and it's, it's one of those things where people have to understand, you know, who it's coming from. If you go to a comedy show and you're listening to one of these guys, you know, I go back to, you know, people like Richard Pryor, you know, one of the great comedians who could not pretend to put a show on today. George Carlin probably couldn't pretend to put a show on today, you know. And you got guys like Jerry Seinfeld. I mean, Jerry Seinfeld's not, he's not a dark comedian. You know what I mean? Like he's, I mean, yeah, Chris Rock can be a little colorful. Um, but you know, and, and, and what's really awful about it is I was thinking before we got together and, and thinking about, you know, kind of talking about this, you know, the only comedian I could think of that I listened to as a kid who was just clean, like totally clean and funny was Bill Cosby. And I used to always <laughs> use Bill Cosby as my example, but what, what do I do now? You know, it's like, hey, Bill Cosby's hilarious and nobody's going to laugh at that anymore. No, that's a joke in itself. Yeah, that's exactly that. <laughs> and you know, a dark joke, by the way, because now you could take so many of his skits that he did. And you could turn them so bad, and people go, "That's not a pro. That's not right." What about the? I know there's victims, um, but at the same time, you know, where where is the line? You know, where? And and I think that's where a lot of comedians are really struggling. And 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 you know, I think all of us, when we're our own little social groups, and we crack a joke, and like I said, I know you're always cracking jokes. Um, it, it's always careful who's your mixed company, right? Because you don't you don't want to offend someone. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I think that, I, you know, and then, of course, where's too far? Um, you know, I asked you earlier, and some of the people listening might know who Artie Shafir is. Uh, you mentioned that you didn't know who Artie Shafir was. And, I, and, and for those who don't know, Artie Shafir is, uh, he's, he's a very funny comedian, very dark. And one of the things that he does in a lot of his, his, uh, his shticks is if there's a famous person who dies who was a dirtbag, he rips them viciously post-mortem, right? Or mortem, sorry, post-mortem. And um, 
do you do you think that that's funny? Does it depend? Um, you know, he he got in trouble because he's been doing it for years, but two months ago he did it to Kobe Bryant, and everyone loves Kobe, and he got ripped apart. Do you do you think that goes too far, or do you think it kind of depends? I think it kind of depends. I mean, uh, you know, once someone uh, dies, especially someone who's you know celebrity status, everyone automatically just thinks of all the great things that they did with the group like, uh, you know, remembered for. Um, but, you know, I'm, like you had kind of said that, that uh, already hit on when he was making problems, that, like, he was, um, you know, an accused rapist, you know? So it's something that shouldn't be swept under the rug by any means. But at the same time, um, I mean, should you take the timing into account? Did he possibly do it as a publicity stunt that probably worked fantastically because people are talking about it, we're talking about it right now. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, but um, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, uh, an absolutely terrible thing to do to uh, to say something like that, especially if you're in comedy, because, I mean, it's, yeah, like I said earlier, it's one of the platforms that you should be able to kind of speak your mind to everyone. You're up there to tell jokes. Like, if you're not taking that into account from the audience, um, you know, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know, the other thing, too, is, is that, uh, you know, when, when you look at, you know, uh, someone like Kobe Bryant, again, in the media and everything else. The problem I think Artie did was he did it eight days after the helicopter crash. Like, they, like I don't even know if they were in the ground yet. Like you said, timing's probably a real big key. If you're doing that next fall, you know what I mean, people might not yeah. freak out as much. But, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it, it definitely it definitely makes for a, a, a difficult situation if you're going to have that. And, but, you know, what? again, that's something that he's always done. That's his comedy routine. You know, if, if you, if you're going to go and listen to someone and you know, I mean like, you know, I don't even know if you remember Jeff Foxworthy or not, but Jeff Foxworthy, when I was a kid, I mean, he was the redneck, you know, comedian and every joke was about people dating their cousins and writing, you know, their sister, covering their sister's name up on the water tower because someone wrote something terrible. I mean, it was, it was, it was redneck humor. It was funny, but. I'm sure someone took offense to it. I mean, there's got to be someone who took offense to that. And if they did, shouldn't they understand that when you have a comedian like that, that's what you're going to walk into, you know? Uh, and, and I think that a lot of people don't, don't necessarily understand that. So, um, hey, bef before, I, before I let you go, because uh, I know we talked a little bit about, you know, political correctness and everything else. Obviously, I see you wearing that uh, awful... Cowboys jersey. Oh. Uh, yeah, obviously. I mean, all, all, all the love because you have the pride to wear it. Um, so we, we got the draft tonight. That's why we got to you got to make sure we get you done uh, before it's time to eat nachos and, and wait, you know, 25 minutes for a draft pick to come in. Um, yeah. Obviously, my, my team already made their draft pick. We uh, we we uh, drafted uh, Stefan Diggs there from Minnesota. So wh where where do you think uh, where do you think your Cowboys are going? Um, well. They definitely need some help uh, on the on the edge um, on the other side of Demarcus uh, Lawrence. There, a lot of kind of like a low key pickup that they had was Gerald McCoy there in the middle. So that's going to you know kind of attract a lot more double teams. Um, but I think that their most glaring need is going to be a defensive back who's good in coverage. Um, you know, I think that the Jeff Okuda sweepstakes, barring a ridiculous trade where they probably give up more than they'd need, um, would be probably out of the question. Kind of hoping that C.J. Uh, Henderson drops down to him, uh, the second-ranked uh, corner. But um, who really knows? There's so much perspective trades that happen during all this. Um, one of the biggest factors going into the draft, I think, is that 
There have not been near as many team meetings, no face-to-face stuff with all the uh, all the lockdown precautions and stuff. So, a lot of teams don't know as much of what they're what they're getting. I feel, um, but I'm really excited to see how it how it shakes out. But uh, I definitely would, would hope to see either an edge rusher or a or a coverage defensive back. Yeah, and, and you know you're 100 percent right. The the lack of being able to communicate and talk to each other means we sadly have to pretend to care about the Wonderlick score more. Um, yeah. and uh, you know sit there They're and talk about big numbers exactly whether or not uh, you know uh, uh, whatever his name Tug Tua whatever yeah. uh, whether his 19 is good enough. I'm like he's not he's not Russell's five. What was that what was that guy's name from the the Raiders? Uh, back Jamarcus in the day? Russell. Jamarcus Russell and his five. Yeah. Right. Five. <laughs> holy smokes <laughs> yeah I, it, holy i'll tell you what that's terrible you know what Th- that tug dude can throw a football so you know what i mean oh, if, yeah, if they, they want to let him dude. drop down to the 20th pick i'm sure someone down there oh bill belichick someone would love <laughs> to be able to to make that pick um all right hey you know what it was awesome having you on josh i really appreciate it hopefully uh, we can get you back on here in the future and just bs like i said i just you know like having a great t- opportunity to just sit down and talk to you and, and maybe the next time we do we might be in a situation where we can do this face to face instead of trying to figure out your cell phone yeah <laughs> yep that was a blast being on here i appreciate it hey thanks a lot we'll see you Well, guys, thanks for being here, and thank you for being on, Josh. I look forward to getting you back on here soon. Again, like, subscribe, and share the podcast. Leave a comment and check us out on iTunes. And We'd love if you went and uh, left a comment uh, and a review, and, and like I said, give us five stars. And, of course, you can also find us on Podbean and on Instagram. And at Instagram, that's at the underscore fatmans underscore guide. Until next time, be safe and live life to the fullest without excuses, even in crazy times like these. See ya.